For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. So Dave Doran, Pat Walter, in an exclusive interview with the Wolfpacker, named his starting quarterback, or at least who QB1 is right now. He said, quote, right now, Brennan is our starter. Brennan being Brennan Armstrong, the transfer from Virginia. He's the starter. Brennan Armstrong's in his final year of eligibility, transferring here to NC State where a new offensive coordinator, Robert and I, was his offensive coordinator for a couple years at Virginia, and he put mm-hmm. up video game, stupid level, crazy numbers. And I mean that in a good way <laughs> in terms of the numbers that he put up. Yeah, I was at the UNC-Virginia game in 2021 where he threw for over 500 yards in a 59-39 shootout loss. 4,449 yards in 2021. Yeah. Twice the season he put up last year without Robert and I as offensive coordinator – and this is one of those headlines that's a headline, but it isn't. This guy doesn't transfer here without the expectation that he's going to start. I think if you're an NC State fan, you had bought in to MJ Morris based on some of the things you saw last year. But if you're somebody that's running a football program, you can never be satisfied, especially at that position, especially when you're going to have to replace all the defensive players that they are going to have to replace from last year's team. They're going to need more offense this year. Yeah. Defense can't carry them. So leaning entirely on MJ Morris was coming off a knee injury, didn't have a lot of experience, wasn't as efficient at throwing the football necessarily at this point in his career. Uh, this makes a ton of sense, makes all the sense in the world, doesn't surprise me at all. So Doran did continue to say about – Right now, choosing Bren, uh, Brennan Armstrong, quote, this isn't picking the best guy. We're picking the most experienced mm-hmm. guy. He did later go on to say uh, about his time with Robert and I was that he's had a very good career until last, se- uh, last year, and I think he wants to finish his college career on the right foot. So, again, the experience about knowing Robert and I's offense, again, putting up his best numbers statistically in his career was with Anai at Virginia night last season was at Syracuse. So that's one of the reasons why his numbers in, in, at Virginia dropped last season uh, for Brendan Armstrong. Now, a lot of people wondering, okay, well, what does this mean for MJ Morris? We played five, played in five games last season, took over for a short bit until you, met, like you mentioned the knee injury uh, after Devin Leary got hurt. So right. what does that mean? Um, Dave Dorn did go on to talk about uh, MJ Morrison saying, I don't know that we'll be able to redshirt him, but that would be awesome. Again, redshirting him this season. Because MJ Morris played in five games last season, he's not eligible to use a redshirt right, last four year. Four is the cutoff. Four is the cutoff. Uh, he said, we wanted to do that last year. We had to play him in five games. I wish it would have been four, but in a perfect world, we, we'd be able to do that. And if we can, I think that's phenomenal for him. So by all accounts, what it sounds like is that unless MJ Morris – goes above and beyond playing Brennan Armstrong come this coming fall. It sounds like Brennan Armstrong is going to be the guy. You can still have MJ Morris there practicing and everything, and if Brennan Armstrong gets hurt early in the season, you could turn to Morris and have him start you know, through the rest of the season if you wanted to do that. But you can save him and not play him but under four, four or less games this season and redshirt him for down the line. This is the new college football. Yeah. 
I like MJ Morris. Seems like a nice kid, talented player. But if you're an NC State fan or a fan of any football team, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be getting attached to any of these quarterbacks because ultimately it seems like they're all going to leave at some point because there's incentive to leave in these transfer portals. Yeah. And there's going to be potentially incentive for MJ Morris, even if he sits through this season and waits his turn. Who knows if Kentucky comes calling for him because Kentucky seems to get all the transfers because down in the SEC they got a little bit more of that uh, collective money to offer That's true. Uh, than they do here in the ACC. So not saying he's necessarily going to do that, but this is the norm. This is the new college football, and if you're not a college football coach playing this game, then you're losing. That you are. Now, Brennan Armstrong, 23 years old, again, fifth year of college football. MJ Morris, just 19 years old. And Brendan Armstrong was a guy that, after that 4,000-yard season, almost 5,000, was being talked about as an NFL-caliber quarterback. So Mm -hmm. he comes here, reunites with his quarterback. He has every incentive in the world to rebuild his stock, rebuild his reputation. I like this guy. Left-handed, big, mobile, not like the fastest guy in the world, but very functionally mobile, good at making plays on the run. Like I said, lit up. UNC. Uh, I think there's a lot to like here. This is a an NC State team that there aren't a ton of high expectations for, but I was really impressed by just the way you know they would make chicken salad out of uh, less ingredients. Last, I mean Ben Finley comes in and beats UNC yeah. at UNC. Yeah, I mean, was there they, for that, and that's obviously with a different offensive staff. But you got to give Dorn a lot of credit for never making excuses, always keeping his eye to the future and the program that he's built here. Well. Maybe MJ Morris is the future. Maybe that's yeah. the, the succession plan, mm. Pat Walter. I know something. You actually have a story out there on WRAL, if I remember correctly, on WRAL Sports, about locally here in terms of college basketball, we were seeing the early stages of the succession plan from Roy Williams to Hubert Davis, now going into year three. John Shire, the, su- the succession plan at Duke, going into his second season after Coach K. It's interesting how... The perception year one for John Shire and what year one was like for for Hubert Davis, how the narratives and things were very, very much different between the two. There are a lot of people in year one, and Hubert Davis wanted him gone, it seemed like, at least from a fan base perspective. And there's not a bad word you can find out there about John Shire. And I'm not saying that there should be, but inevitably there's going to be a downturn. And how are Why? people going to react? Because that's just the way sports are. Okay. Right, like you come in this season. Last year, Shire had the benefit of not having necessarily as much expectations with that team to begin with. You know, he gets Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead are hurt early on. They come in, people immediately see they're not Paolo Bancaro, and people aren't ready uh, to to anoint Duke as this, a team that's going to make the national championship again. But this year, he's got four starters coming back. He's got the number two recruiting class in the nation. Last year's team fizzled out in the NCAA tournament to Tennessee when yeah. once, you know, I was somebody that was buying in and I had them winning my whole bracket. So they come in next year, underperform. All of a sudden, that leash for John Shire is gone. You think so? Think that quick? It doesn't take long. Look at Hubert Davis. He made the national championship. I do think there's key differences between Hubert and Shire. Everything that Shire does seems well calculated, mm-hmm. well thought out. He seems to engender himself very well to the media which yeah. is going to give you a longer leash. Hubert Davis seems to keep the media at a little bit of an arm's length. Everyone that you talk to says Hubert Davis is a very nice guy. Sure. But he keeps his circle tight. Family. UNC. Protecting the players. But there was times last year where he seemed 
to lash out where he would speak in platitudes when he was cornered. And I don't think a lot of that landed well with the media. I don't think some of that landed well with some of the players that have left the program since, how things were coached there. So I think there are some reasons for why Hubert is viewed the way he is now and Shire is as well. Yeah. But it's just interesting to see, you know, coming off of a succession season finale. No spoilers, How please. we view these guys and what it's like to follow a legend. Because there's a reason Coach K and Roy Williams are legends because they built this. Specifically, Coach K built the whole thing. Yeah, Coach K built the whole thing. And he set up the landing space for Shire to take it and run, and he has so far. But when... One, the further you get removed from that legend, the harder and harder it gets. I will say, I think one of the reasons why people were extremely critical of Hubert last season was because of the national championship game that they got to and defeating Coach K and all that in his final final game of Cameron, yeah. final game ever Hard to in top. the Final Four. Hard to top that. But yeah, you go in preseason number one, and then it seemed like the team that we saw in November was the same team that we saw in March at the ACC tournament, like nothing progressed. Yeah, which where season. Shire's team did. Shire's they got team better. did. I think that's where people were starting to realize, is like, or starting to point out, I was like, wait a second, why isn't this team progressively getting better, evolving over the course of the season? Where Duke had to deal with a lot of injuries early on in the year. Derek Lively was hurt. Derek Whitehead, two guys are going to be first round draft picks that were hurt early in the season, but we saw the team evolve and grow during the season. And, yeah, it seemed like everything was calculated with John Shire. And, again, things slowly continue to build over the course of the season. And would not surprise me if Duke is a preseason top-five team this upcoming season, where we saw with North Carolina, high expectations, rightfully so. You were coming off a national championship game, and you have four four or five starters back. Yeah, people are going to look at you with high expectations. And they didn't live up to it. And, again, even leading up to that run last year of February and March for UNC, there were a lot of questions about Hubert Davis during that stretch too because a lot of people felt like the team was underperforming. And so that that negative perception was already there for, for Hubert Davis in year one because I know in February rolled around, I forget who was it they lost to. Was it Virginia Tech? I think in February. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they had like a February loss, and a lot of people were looking around going, What's happening here? Right. Like, okay. We, like this we is had like this a parallel. is not this is not the way it's supposed to be going here. We we had like the parallel from the previous year the whole time where it's like, mm-hmm. well, this time last year they were at this plate as well, and then all of a sudden it was like they ran out of time to turn the ship around, and it never did. But one of the things I love about working here, Dennis, is everything these schools and these coaches do, yeah, is in relation to the other. Mm-hmm. And you know, Shire's coming in; he's got this great class, these great returning starters. Well, Hubert has quietly made some chess moves here all the players that have left in the portal short of Caleb Love I don't think are as good necessarily as the players that are coming in a Cormac McCarthy uh, a Harrison Ingram a Cormac Ryan a Cormac Ryan excuse yeah. me Cormac McCarthy wrote the road which is a little maybe maybe it's something we could relate to the end of the world with uh, this live tour conversation well, we're having that. as well yeah. but uh, maybe a Freudian slip there and then you've got the reclassification of Elliot Cadeau coming in yeah where now they have the point guard into the mix and the chess moves are fun to follow, and I do think Hubert's running a little bit under the radar here with this season where this team could exceed those expectations instead of underperforming them, where Duke now is set up to be the one to underperform. I'm thinking – I know we're talking Duke and Carolina here, but I'm also wondering if the better team 
this upcoming season won't be NC State. Mm. Because it seems like Hubert Davis, not Hubert Davis, but it seems like Kevin Keats has figured out the transfer portal. Right. And the fact that you're able to go get Jarkel Joyner, DJ Burns, who we had last year in the transfer portal, big-time players. DJ Burns coming back. Now, Traquathion Smith leaving for the NBA after two seasons of the program. Right move, in my opinion. Jarkel Joyner out of eligibility. But it seems like he is maneuvering through the transfer portal to really put together his roster. It's interesting how... Each of these three teams have built their programs, at least with their rosters for this upcoming season. UNC is a blend of like Davis and Baycott recruits that were there. Even what's the, Roy Williams brought right. them like you, you know, like Hubert Davis and bring those guys in. Roy Williams brought those guys in, but it's also a blend of I know Hubert Davis on the staff, so it's a blend of guys brought in along with transfer portal. Duke, it is mostly recruits that were bought in couple pieces here and there, maybe one or two that are from the transfer portal. That's it. They also didn't have anyone go into the transfer portal, which is something that I think only a couple programs across the country actually had Division One. I think it was them and UCLA, at least amongst the Power Five schools. So they didn't have anyone go into the portal. They really had to get go into the portal to get anybody out. And it seemed like NC State really diving hard. I know they got some of their recruits, but it seems like Hubert Davis really diving hard into the transfer portal. So it's interesting how each of these three programs here have built – their rosters for this upcoming season. I think this is going to be one of the more exciting upcoming college basketball seasons. I think th- these three programs as a whole really are building something strong for this upcoming season. I hope it. Ex- I expect and I hope all three are in the NCAA tournament this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, I think Keats, you look at him in particular, like some of the things that sounded like excuses from him the last couple years mm-hmm. have all just proven out to be reasons. Yeah. When he talks about the team that should have made the NCAA tournament had the COVID cut it off. And then the next year's team just limited by how they could practice, how they could bond, the injuries they had to Manny Bates. That team never really fit. It never really gelled. It never really made sense. And then last year, like you said, nails It all comes in. And these guys on the paper, you're like, okay, Winthrop, all right, where is that guy from? Okay, a small guard from Ole Miss. Okay, all right, yeah, sure, that sounds good. And then I remember going out to see them play, and I'm looking around, I'm like, these guys look good. Yeah. These guys look good. They looked good. And I've seen some – I was there as one of the commits for this year uh, was doing his little tour with Keats, driving around on the Range Rover. There you go. Keats is a charismatic guy. Oh, he really He makes is. you feel good, and I think that's part of it. I'm a big fan – I'll be honest, I'm a big fan of all three of the head coaches, from Davis, Keats, to John Shire. I'm a big fan, having spoken with them in some capacity. I enjoy all three of those guys a lot. And to me, I think it's hard to replace legends – K, Roy. I mean, it was hard enough for Roy to to eventually follow Dean Smith. I know a couple 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 coaches in between there, but it's hard to replace those legends. I mean, right. NC State's still trying to replace Jim Balvano. When you think about it in terms of like legend in the program of coaching. Well, I'm glad you bring that up because they're still trying to do that. If Hubert struggles this year, he is going to be in trouble. Yeah. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I think it's kind of hard to. In today's world with the transfer portal, mm-hmm. your leash is shorter than ever. And if you're a brand like North Carolina, when you have a national stage, a Jordan brand, how can you not get these kind of recruits? How can you not win? How can you not make the NCAA tournament? Now, last year was a, a perfect storm of factors, but there's no more. That's how. That's the world we live in now. Win or go home. Now, I'm not saying I, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see. 
because we've seen one side of the coin where it all works out. We've seen the other side where it doesn't, and now we've got a new mix of players where he doesn't have the excuses anymore of like, oh, maybe some of these guys were Roy players, or oh, maybe Caleb and, and RJ didn't fit. Well, now you've been able to tinker. You've done what Kevin Keats did. You tinker. Yeah. It worked out for him. He saved his job. I don't think Hubert's on as hot of a seat as Keats was going into this year, but if he struggles this year, he will be. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. This is any more of like, oh, maybe some of these guys were Roy players or, oh, maybe Caleb and, and RJ didn't fit. Well, Duke baseball, 12-3 yeah. win in a must-win game yesterday over Coastal Carolina on the road at Coastal Carolina. They win the Conway South Carolina Regional. It's always great when North Carolina schools beat South Carolina schools. And the man calling games for Duke baseball, Chris Edwards, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. All right, Chris, are your bags packed to head up to Charlottesville for the Super Regional? Dennis, I am doing laundry as we speak. Nice. I got home from Conway about uh, two hours ago. I'm doing laundry to recycle the clothes to head to Charlottesville tomorrow with the Blue Devils. Great to be on with you guys. Chris, I want to know this uh, this this Mets guy, this uh, guy with a torn ACL for Duke. The guy's just uh, hitting bombs. Another home run yesterday for Mets, but he's also doing this all with a torn ACL, from my understanding. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't hit a home run with two legs, and he's hitting four in the last four games with one leg. Like, it's amazing. Uh, do you remember a couple of years ago there was a guy for Ole Miss, uh, Tim Elko, who had a similar situation, tore his ACL, and helped – get Ole Miss to Omaha, and it kind of feels that way with MJ Metz, right? Uh, so Metz tore his ACL during the ACC tournament, wasn't sure if he was going to be able to play, and Coach Pollard tells the story. Duke waited as long as they possibly could to decide on Metz if he was going to be part of the 27-man roster for this regional, and they left it up to MJ and said, hey, can you go? Like, we don't want to put you in a bad spot, but if you want to go, you've earned that right. And he said, yeah, Coach, I'll give it a shot. And all he does in the first NCAA tournament game on Friday is hit three home runs. Another one yesterday. Really impressive stuff. It really, really is. Get a home run there early in the game to get Duke started. Chris, yeah. I stole the home run in the first inning, put him up one nothing, and they never looked back, kind of coasted to that uh, 12-3 win last night. Chris, this is just the third Super Regional for Duke in program history. So I just want to know why. What makes this Duke group so special? A lot of things. I mean, this is, what, the third time since 2018 the Duke's gone to a, a Super Regional. But this group, and I've been fortunate to be part of this program for now the last 11 years, but this is a group that just loves being around each other. And, and I've not been around a team that loves each other and cares about each other and has as much fun together as this group does. There's this college baseball game that people play amongst college baseball teams called Mafia. I don't understand it. Oh, Mafia, it's, I know but, Mafia. Oh, well, can you explain it to me? Because I still don't understand it. I'll have to do uh, that they, off air. <laughs> they play for hours on yeah. the bus. Like, that's all they do is just play mafia for hours and hours. And we got on the bus today to head back home from Conway, and we were on the bus maybe five minutes, and the mafia game started up. I mean, they just love to be around each other. They hang out with each other outside of the ballpark. I think that's a big part of the reason this team has had so much success. And Coach talked about it after last year. 
you know, really wanted to get back to those core principles that made Duke baseball what it is, the blue-collar mentality, the toughness. And there's no doubt that the culture took a hit last year. It was a really rough season for Duke, 22 wins uh, for a team that had won the ACC tournament in 2021, went to back-to-back Super Regionals in 2018 and 2019. And Duke's really gotten back to some of those core principles this year, and that's what's made them successful. You couple that with the fact they love being around each other. They've got a bunch of guys in that have bought into what Coach is trying to preach, a new staff that's brought a ton of energy. And it's just the perfect recipe for success for Coach Pollard and his team. Chris Edwards, Duke play-by-play, joining us here on the Keister Automotive Group Hotline alongside Pat Welter, Dennis Cox here with you. We saw late in the season Duke actually lose, looks like I remember correctly, it was five of the last six or six of the last seven games. If you go back to the series against Georgia Tech, losing that last game, losing to Gardner-Webb, losing two or three to Miami, losing both games in the ACC championship. Are you surprised they were to flip the switch down there in Conway? No, not really. I mean, and, and easy for me to say that now, right? But yeah. They played some really good teams, and they played really well down the stretch. And I think they were just gassed. I mean, this is a team that has had to rely on its bullpen a whole lot this year. Duke's only had one guy pitch into the sixth inning at any point this year. We knew that was going to be the case, especially once Jonathan Santucci, who was the Friday starter, went out in late March. Duke didn't really have a a starter. They had planned on doing this opener all year long. They went to this opener because Santucci got hurt, because they had Luke Fox get hurt in in the preseason as well. So the bullpen was really taxed. And I think because of that, that's why you saw them maybe falter a little bit down the stretch. They had a week off between the ACC tournament and the Conway Regional. I think that paid off for everybody, a chance to recharge the batteries, get everybody back healthy. And you saw what the Blue Devils were able to do this past weekend. And, Chris, we got a matchup here coming up, Duke taking on Virginia in the Super Regional. How do you see them matching up there? Well, I mean, really good team. The Cavaliers are phenomenal, a team that's one of the Blue Bloods in the ACC uh, Duke actually played Virginia in Charlottesville earlier this year, took two out of three. But look, Virginia's playing really well. What they did and the way they ran through that Charlottesville regional, they beat some really good teams, East Carolina, Oklahoma. I mean, really good teams in that regional. It's a veteran team. I think their lineup probably is top to bottom, the toughest to pitch to in the ACC. Guys like Teal and Geloff, and the list goes on and on. And look, they're going to be at home. They're going to have a really good crowd. I think it's going to be a great super regional wouldn't be surprised if it goes to a third game on Sunday, and uh, hopefully the Blue Devils can find a way to come out on top. Chris Edwards, Duke play-by-play, bring us back some Bodo's bagels from Charlottesville. Appreciate it, my man, and have fun up there in Seville. Guys, thanks for having me on. Always good to be with you. We'll talk to you soon. That's Chris Edwards joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. It's exciting to see of the eight schools that made it, to the NCAA tournament for baseball. At least we got two going to Super Regionals. Wake Forest hosting Alabama, Duke on the road at Virginia. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling for the North Carolina schools. Yeah, I, I say that as someone who grew up in Virginia, 12 miles from the grounds of Virginia, <laughs> the grounds of UVA, I'm pulling in. I'm pulling in for the, the North Carolina schools. It's weird for me to say I feel like I forgot about Wake Forest. Because the number what, one team in the country, the disrespect, Pat. Maybe it's just because around here we mm-hmm. kind of treat them as like a stepbrother. Like they're like the yeah they they're often looked at as the little brother from around. It's here. It's like oh, can we root for Wake Forest? Are you on that bandwagon? Uh, it's it's a different. And then Duke's in the same kind of vein, right? Because mm-hmm. Duke's the private school. It's interesting that they've developed this blue collar mentality because that's not necessarily the image of the school and some of the players were talking about that after last night's win you see them wear the hard hat 
after they get the home runs. You know, they've created yeah. this identity that's maybe separate from the image of Duke. Uh, but yeah, Wake Forest has been crushing it. It's just interesting. You get eight schools in, down to two, just like that. Historic year for the state, wiped away in a heartbeat. Yeah, it is also unfortunate that Campbell and NC State had to play each other. Right. So they Campbell ended up knocking out NC State, Duke, UNC, Wilmington had to play each other in the in the first game of the regional and as we well. didn't get to host the regional none of the schools around here hosted one and campbell yeah. should have that would have been fun that would have drawn a lot of local interest didn't a, get it a lot of a lot of different things factored into that but nevertheless we're on to the super regionals by the way first pitch between duke and virginia on friday is at noon you can listen to that over on buzz sports radio by the way so duke baseball in action against virginia friday noon super regional chris edwards who just joined us is on the call again that game is going to be over on buzz sports radio without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.